welcome back everyone to an emergency podcast here after, well, quite frankly, one of the greatest cricket matches I've ever seen. India versus Pakistan at the MCG, a 90,000 crowd. It was always going to be um, a dramatic match um, and it well and truly um, lived up to the hype today. Uh, Starting off, uh, we had Ashdeep Singh with three for 32 and Bhuvneshwar Kumar at, at the start. Um, bowling absolutely beautifully um, to get Pakistan two for 20 at one point. Um, and, you know, we sort of thought that that might just be the, the big moment from the match, but uh, how wrong we were. We had a Pakistan uh, comeback um, through the middle overs with Iftikhar Ahmed uh, scoring 51 of 34. And there are a few different cameos um, to get them to a defendable score of 159. Uh, and then Naseem Shah and Harris Rauf out early um, in the Pakistan bowling innings, dismissing K.O. Rahul and Robert Sharma early, got Pakistan right on top. Um, but then Hardik Pandya and Virat Kohli at the crease in a fantastic partnership, got them back in it uh, and set up an incredible finish at the end. Uh, they still needed 31 um, at the start of the 18th over, uh, but then 15 runs against Harris Ralph um, and then 16 off the last over, which we'll discuss a bit more because, I mean, it had everything in it. Uh, I think we're all left a little confused by things at times and just, uh, yeah, speechless really for an incredible finish. Uh, but uh, in the end, um, it was India doing it. Uh, so, guys, just first off, your reactions to uh, an incredible match. Ethan, we'll start with you. Well, it was a game that twisted and turned, and you sort of felt India were always in the game, but their chances were slipping. And well, credit to them that they managed to stay in it with some uh, Virat Kohli action. He well and truly is back on the radar of world cricket, and it's exciting to see um, and, and Pakistan just ended up crumbling under the pressure at the end there. I mean, you you backed them till probably three balls left to go and it all came unstuck and plenty of controversial moments with the umpiring as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Pearson? Yeah, I fully second that. He's Coley's clearly turned up. It's the first time he's really turned up by that 100 in quite a while. It was a very good knock. Uh clearly just about took them home i like you i think thought the game was gone at 30 for four but they've done very well to come back i do wonder whether the captaincy could have done with a bit of work leaving a leg spinner to all the 20th isn't necessarily necessarily the best idea they've come up with yes well let's just go into that last over a bit more now um so on the first ball we had um nawaz getting hardik out um and at that point uh it looked like um Pakistan were back on top, still needing 16 for five balls. Uh, we had just a, a one um, from Dinesh Kartik on the second ball um, and then only a two on the third ball. So they still needed 13 runs off the final three balls. Uh, but then it's fair to say it um, fell apart somewhat um, for Mohamed Nawaz. He bowled a, a full toss, which ended up being a no ball which was dispatched uh, for six by, by Coley then. Then after that, he bowled a wide. Then we had an incredibly uh, dramatic thing where um, Coley was bowled, but um, it was a free, obviously it was a free hit still, and they managed to run three off of that. Um, so just 
off those things, yeah, what did we think of the, the no ball call? Uh, it was a little bit controversial. I think it was initially not called, but then they decided sort of after Coley uh, complained a little bit about it, it was, also, it was called a no ball. And really that was almost a deciding moment because they were then able to get a three off of uh, being bowled. Um, and really, uh, you know, that, that, was, that was the moment. Navod, what did you think of that? Yeah, I thought that no-ball call was a bit weird. I think they, they usually checked all the other things. I think they, they checked the, the stumping of Dinesh Karthik a little bit after that. But um, I think, yeah, for me, the yeah the, the way that they kind of really didn't check that no-ball was a little bit strange. But obviously, when you looked at the slow-mo, it was pretty clear that it was, it was tight, but I think it was the right call in the end. The no-ball was correct. Mm, yeah, our umpire, that ship, he thought it maybe wasn't quite a no ball but um it was very close and in the moment you, you just go with the uh pearson i think you you have a theory that you uh give the benefit of the doubt to the bowler um you would like yeah i mean look i i can understand but i don't think it was an egregious call by any means but i do think if it's that marginal i would just a general rule of thumb same goes for run out so i'd probably give the benefit of the doubt to the well in that case the whoever's going to be incriminated from it so in a run out the batsman in a no ball decision the bowlers yeah i would have got benefit of the doubt for the bowler but i don't think it should come into that much criticism although i'm sure it will on twitter but we'll have to wait and see for that <laughs> yes yeah, that's for sure uh so, so then after that we had a, another twist in the tale of dinesh kartik getting stumped um, and even that one, it, it thought for a while it might have been wide, but it, it actually hit it um, or it went off the pad. So that was OK. Um, but then uh, so then they still needed two um, off the final ball. Uh, but then Nawaz again, uh, bowls are wide. Um, Ethan, just, just sort of take us through Nawaz in this last over. What What happened? I don't know if anyone can explain it. I think he lost his head. 90,000 fans of the MCG and he forgot which one was the offside and which one was the leg side and <laughs> ended up bowling probably the, well, in, in this over, he managed to cuff up a, both a wide and a waist time no ball. Two things that no left arm spinner should ever bowl, let alone in the last over of a game. So I think it was just, just the pressure. I mean, you'd expect an orthodox or a left arm off you to be probably the most accurate out of any bowler and able to hit the hit the spot but it was it was just pressure and good thinking from Ashwin to get stay well and truly out of the way and make it obvious that it was a wide yeah yeah that's right and then we were sort of thinking could it be a super over uh but no Ashwin um his cool calm and collected self at the end just sort of dinked it over the the infield for the final run and uh yeah huge celebrations uh ensued um at the end there um i guess it's so hard to to say from this match sort of take away any um points from it because it was just so uh you know there's just so much going on it and so different to sort of a, a normal match but um one thing for me i thought shahina freedy didn't have the the greatest match um you know a little bit erratic at, at times probably didn't didn't um bowl sort of with the consistency that you would expect for him. What did we think of um, both of the, the bowling sides, uh, Pakistan not quite getting it done in the end, Pearson? 
Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I do think, I thought both sides actually bowled relatively well. I did think, I thought both, but then again, I think the way that you could probably categorize both is superb new ball spell, then a few partnerships distracted back for both sides. The key difference was the partnership with India just lasted longer. It lasted pretty much till the last over of the game in a way it didn't for the Pakistanis with, I think, Iftikhar Ahmed and Shah Massoud. So I think the bowling worked in phases. New ball spells were superb, I thought. Ashdeep, I thought, was arguably the pick of the bowlers for India. I thought Ralph was probably pick of the bowlers for Pakistan. Well, there's an argument for Nazim, I would accept. I think the key difference was the sixth bowler, in my view. And I think that's something that will go under the radar. Um, India had someone else to go to in a way I don't think Pakistan would do. Pakistan, yes, they have a lot of all-rounders. Yes, they bat deep. Those all-rounders also mean they drop, they're not dropping batsmen for those all-rounders, they're dropping full-time bowlers, which forced them into a position where they didn't have sufficient seam overs to give someone that wasn't a leg spinner the 20th over. I think India were able to negate that a bit better because they just had six bowlers instead of five. So yeah, both performed well. I thought bowling was better than batting for most of the game. Kohli was really the only anomaly there. Uh, Ethan, just on um, India's bowling, as um, Pearson said, they were very impressive. And I definitely wasn't expecting Ashdeep Singh to come out like that, swinging at a mile. And one, one wicket um, that he got, he even looked like Mitch Johnson uh, with a searing bouncer um, there as well. Uh, is he the sort of one they've been looking for, especially in the absence of, of Jasper Boomer, um, to sort of fill the void in their bowling department this World Cup? Uh, perhaps I, I heard I saw Pearson quiver a little bit when you mentioned Mitchell Johnson there, but <laughs> I, I thought it was uh, very very impressive from Ashdeep Singh. I haven't rated him too too highly, especially after his catching in that Asia Cup. But he had very good seam position and he seemed well suited to the conditions. He used the bouncer at at smart occasions, and he was really all, all over two of the best opening batsmen in in cricket there. Um, and if he keeps that up, I think he'll be a, a viable asset to this team. I think he's got the advantage of being left-handed. He swings the ball both ways. Got a very, very good outswing and a good bumper as well. So he really has all the all the traits and all, all the um, all the attributes of a fine bowler. So with a bit of experience, I think you'd you'd back him in a prosperous career if you can stand aside. Yeah, yeah, no, a hundred percent, definitely a good start to his World Cup career. Um, with that much today. Um, just to backtrack a little bit, uh, one final point about that last over, uh, sort of running out of pace bowlers to use, obviously, they had all bowled their four. Do you think that was a mistake and sort of a lack of planning by um, the Pakistanis there, or was it just sort of inevitable? Uh, Pearson, uh, Navad, Navad. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I think for me, that was a key strategic um, mistake that Pakistan made. I think leaving, leaving. I, I guess they sort of thought, okay, we'll try and get them out with our pace bowlers um, before you know we have to get to this last over situation. But I think I would have, I would have bowled completely bowled out Nawaz and had a, the last over for a, a pace bowler because we know it was, it was a difficult pitch for um, for batsmen to face pace, uh, especially someone like Ralph who was who was bowling really well, as Pearson said. Um, 
And yeah, I just think that was probably the wrong call. I think with a leggy, you get yes, you can get wickets, but they had, I think when they were going into that last over, they had four wickets, uh, six wickets to spare. So yeah, you know, you want to prioritize saving runs rather than getting wickets in that sort of situation, right? So I just thought, yeah, that was a little bit of a an oversight from Pakistan to to make that happen. I think um yeah, definitely could have um yeah made it better. I think on the other hand, I do kind of feel bad for the was. It does a lot of pressure, um, uh, you know, having to defend you know, what was it, 16 off the last over. Um, and yeah, I think he ultimately is a little bit too much and he did kind of crumble, but yeah, I, I do feel really bad. But ultimately, I think, yes, he's partly to blame, but it's also more, also a strategic uh, mistake from Pakistan. Yeah, I think he just seemed to overthink things a bit there. He went away from his spinners and sort of bold medium pace for a few balls, but that, that didn't work. Pearson, do you think it was also a strategic blunder? Yes and no. I think it was an error. I think any time you have a leg spinner conceding 16 runs in the last over to lose a game, it's going to be called out as an error. I think it will be really discussed, though. Yes, I think it was poor. However, I think the decision to bowl out pace bowlers more early in that situation where they were 31 for four was the right call. I think putting the game to bed then was the best way to win the match. So I think it was a defensible decision. I think once you got to the 15 over mark, that's when you needed to bowl out your spinners. And I think that's where the error came in. So were they right to front load the seamers a bit? Yes. Should that have still left them in a position when the Wilds would bowl the 20th over? Probably not. So it's an error, but not as big of an error as some people will probably make out. Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. I remember thinking after the 16th over, I think it was Harris Ralph who, who bowled it only about five runs off of it, and they still needed about 59, I think, from that stage. And I thought it was 100% over yeah. by then. And if that had have worked out, well, then we would have said it was a great decision to uh, to, to bowl the, the paces um, earlier on like that. But uh, really, I think uh, a lot of the credit tonight has to go to Virat Kohli, who surely showed Ethan that uh, you know we talk about strike rate in T20s and uh, the the importance of um, you know batting to different situations and things but sometimes like tonight class um, is uh, all that matters yeah I think he he paced his innings and one thing that you can never underestimate about these players who bat three or four is they always have a way of building themselves into the game from memory, I think he was only about 10 off 20 balls and he really came to life in the last sort of six overs and largely overshone Hardik Pandya and even Dinesh Karthik, who are the renowned finishers in the side. I think throughout his innings, he showed some authority and class. I think there was enough in, in the shots that he played to show a bit of intent, but he also didn't take a large degree of risks until it was absolutely necessary and he took the game deep. And he's, he's got an established record in chases and he, he showed his experience in class, as you mentioned there. And uh, I think MS Danny will be more than happy with that performance. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. I think that the commentary um, spoke about it in those final two boundaries that he hit off of the, in the second last over. He sort of hit one straight um, off of a really a, a good length ball, um, but that sort of made it so they couldn't, bowl anything full on that last ball um, for fear of that doing it again and then it ended up being sort of 
uh, shorter one on the legs, which he hoiked for six. So uh, good, good tactical work by uh, Coley there also. Um, well, you know, I guess the final question, is that the, the best game of, of T20 at least, or maybe even uh, cricket that uh, you guys have ever seen, Navod? For me, I think it's the best T20 cricket game for sure. I think it's just an absolute, it was so, it was such a roller coaster of, you know, mm. it's swinging in India's favor than gone. Pakistan, at one point, you know, halfway through India's innings, you were thinking, okay, Pakistan should be able to walk this one. And then it all just turned with, you know, a, bri a brilliant Collie 82. So um, just absolutely fantastic game. I think this is one of the best T20 games. But I say the best cricket game, probably not. There are a few that come to mind. Um, for instance, Kumar Sangakkara's double century at Lords. That was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I'm saying that because Pearson's next one. But, um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, the, it was it was really really good, and I I think this was one of the best T uh, Twenty games that I've ever seen personally. Yeah, just just with the atmosphere as well. I think. Uh... The Big Bash League final from uh, I'm not sure exactly when, but with uh, I was I was going to bring up the exact game you're thinking of, 2015, the Brett Lee final yeah, over. That's right. Yeah, that was pretty good as well. But uh, the atmosphere yeah, makes it. Yeah. This, it was good. yeah, a bit more no, meaningful I mean, I, this one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I would fully agree with Navog. I think there's other games that probably rival it in terms of just as on pure cricketing terms that. Brett Lee over at the Big Bash is probably one of them. The drama of the blast find this year, sure, that's probably up there. However, none of these are India, Pakistan, and none of them have 100,000 people at the MCG. So there's probably not really a chance of giving it to anything but this, I don't think. There's not been, to my knowledge, a big World Cup game that's been as fascinating as this. So including context, I think you'd have to give this as, it's definitely the best I've seen. Just over Hampshire against Lancashire in <laughs> July of this year. Uh, well, I it think was we'll... a good game for everyone <laughs> laughing at me. I, yes, I, I digress and I accept that India-Pakistan was a better game. <laughs> we can move uh, on to it. Okay, Ethan. Yeah, I, I, the only thing I can think about rivaling India-Pakistan is India-Pakistan in the 2007 World Cup. Oh, yeah, um, true. No, that's actually a fish, yeah. I hadn't thought yeah, of it. The bowler. I think that was one where Mizbah, that was, that was one where Mizbah just played a ramp shot inexplicably and, and got out to, to, <laughs> to lose Pakistan the game there. That, that's up there. I think these, the semis from the World Cup last year were, were pretty good as well, but you're right, in terms of a, an atmosphere, Pretty, pretty hard to match the, probably the, the biggest rivalry in cricket. Yeah, 100%. Okay, well, while we're here, we may as well discuss that equally incredible uh, performance last night by New Zealand, an absolute destruction of the Australians um, on the opening night of the World Cup, breaking the 11-year drought of wins against Australia in Australia. Uh, Ethan, that was uh, a little hard to watch uh, for me. Uh, from the very start, we had Finn Allen going out there and just, you know, donking Hazelwood and Stark around the place. And uh, really, it didn't let up for all of their batting innings. And then our batting innings was uh, just atrocious. That was, uh, yeah, that was horrible, Ethan. Yeah, that's that's ugly. Um, no, nothing, nothing good I can say about that. I mean, 
we we lost three 0 to England, and that I that I can excuse, but losing to New Zealand that that just cuts cuts deep, um, and especially in the World Cup, and in such a, a pivotal game, and we're really smashed as well. I mean, New Zealand have they've turned up. Credit to them for picking Finn Allen. We put the commentators' curse on Australia, and uh, I suppose we we left them helpless. And New Zealand with their first win on in Australian soil in eleven years, as you said. And it was really the complete performance from them and just a, a massive miss from the Australian perspective. And certainly, in my opinion, it's almost the, the hand off the World Cup um, retention. I think looking at our campaign last year, probably the one of the key parts which is often understressed is that we, we managed to just get over South Africa with Stoinis and Wade in that very first game. Now we've been smashed against New Zealand. Our net, net run rate's probably gone. Um, and it's it's hard to see us somehow finding a way to overtake New Zealand and England and qualifying. So uh, I know the Australians have said that they're you know they'll they'll thrive off this challenge um, and this high pressure situation. But I'm I'm just wondering if it's too late already, and that if New Zealand have just been more prepared. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. We can discuss it in a second. But first, I just wanted to ask, really watching the game for me, it really just seemed that New Zealand were just literally too good you know it seems simple but just in every facet of the game they you know just um whatever we threw at them with the ball they had an answer for um and then they didn't allow us to, to get anything going with the bat so can you actually take that much away from that game in terms of our performance um going forward and sort of uh whether we are capable of actually um doing well in this tournament do you think you can sort of just say New Zealand were just too good on the day. I, I think they were. I, I think they they played pretty much the complete game of cricket. I still back Australia to perform reasonably well in this tournament. Um, the question is now, can we somehow compete with New Zealand in full flight? And well, England have just beaten us three nil. So can we somehow compete with them against these teams? Mm. Really, I think. Australia were, were poor on the day, but it, it's a side that you back to perform. But really, we were just blown away by one of the best performances you've seen. As you mentioned, every, every, pretty much everything went right for New Zealand and it's pretty hard to compete with them when they're playing like that. Yeah, that that's right. But um, as you say, it does have some real ramifications for our World Cup campaign. I know Pearson was right on that. He wasn't able to watch the match yesterday, but he was able to message that Australia's World Cup was over and we're, we're knocked out. Um, and uh, well, Pearson, if uh, you know, if England only lose one game or, or don't or don't lose a game, and if New Zealand. Um, are thereabouts as well and we can't make up that net run rate well then um, we could be knocked out yeah it's a simple rule you are in a position now where I think that loss and the net run rate is basically equated to two losses so I don't see a way in which you can progress if England and New Zealand both hit four wins do I think both England and New Zealand will hit four wins? That's very contentious. I'm not convinced you'll hit four wins either, to be honest. I don't generally back England, but I think we probably will beat you because we just seem to keep doing that in white ball tournaments of late. Will you beat the others? Yes. My concern is I think New Zealand and England will both beat the others as well. So 
I am going to take an early stab and change my pre-tournament winners to getting knocked out in the group stage. That's <laughs> quite a it shift been after, long. after been one day days. of the tournament. Yeah. However, I think the degree of the defeat has meant this will be a real struggle. If you don't beat England, you will be knocked out in the group stage. You are in a position where basically every game is a final. If you lose one more game, you will get knocked out. So it's critical you now go on and start winning. But from the perspective of every other team in that group, it was a wonderful result. Because I think most teams would consider New Zealand more fallible. And they've just destroyed arguably the pre-tournament favourites. Yeah, that, that is right. And I guess that's also the only hope for Australia, that it is um, a pretty even tournament and also we know with with t20 that anything could happen on the day as uh, both of these matches um have have shown uh but uh it also there also can be some pretty convincing wins in t20 and um it hurts me to say it but that is what happened uh with england against afghanistan last night also powering to a, a five wicket victory with 11 balls remaining and um sam curran was the star with five wickets pearson yeah, but I thought the bowling was excellent. I thought in terms of with the bowling in the field, it was as professional a performance as we've seen in the World Cup. However, I did think our batting looked iffy, I must admit, which is certainly not what I thought would happen going into the game. We had stacked the batting order, played one less bowler. Of course, Topley's now out for the whole tournament with injury. So I was surprised how well we bowled. And I think that is very good science if you're English. But it does mean we probably will want to see some of our batters fire a bit more next time. But I'm, I'm definitely happy. I'm disappointed that Sri Lanka overtook us today because theoretically we are in third at the minute. However, I think England looked the side probably most dangerous in that group at the moment, unless New Zealand can carry on the form they showed yesterday. And the final game to cover off Navod was that Sri Lankan victory over Ireland down in Belrive Oval today. Um, and it was, uh, well, a good bowling performance, keeping them to 128. And then Kusal Mendes uh, doing um, the strong innings again. Yeah, definitely. I think today today's game was sort of what I was expecting us to do in the qualifiers against countries like Namibia, uh, UAE, and um, who was the other one? Um, Netherlands. Netherlands. That's correct. Thank you, Ted, um, the podcast host with the knowledge. Um, but yeah, I think for, for me, it was a very, um, no, yeah. So Pratt is asking me, do you receive your A rating? No, if anything, I'm giving strong yeah, A This is in, in reference, in reference to the words, rating their, rating um, their uh, first round um, performance an A for some unknown reason, um, reason only known <laughs> to himself. Yeah, well, yeah, I think today's performance was really just, it was it was neat and tidy. I think the bowling was quite good. There were a few fielding, um, you know, missed opportunities, like a few drop catches, Lahiru Kumara, noticeably with a really poor drop catch. And I think it was a drop catch, he just missed the ball. So that was, for me, really poor. But otherwise, um, quite a good performance, I thought, from us. And obviously, Kusal Mendes and Dananjaya da Silva putting on something like 63 runs together which is a massive, um, massive opening partnership. So I thought that was really good. Charitasalanka getting a few runs in. He's been in a bit of rough form recently, so quite happy that he's getting runs. But yeah, star of the show, Kusal Mendes, 
with a fantastic 68. I thought he batted absolutely fantastically today. And um, yeah, it was, um, yeah, very, very good performance today. Yeah, so a good start to your Super 12 campaign. Um, you started the campaign with a with a win, which is a bit unusual for you guys. So uh, it's interesting to see how you go um, in the rest of the tournament. Okay, well, we've um, had a fantastic first couple of days of the Super 12. Hopefully uh, much more to come. And, uh, yeah, we'll be uh, along with you reporting it uh, uh, along the way. So uh, thank you all for listening and goodbye.